Welcome to Uptown Jive. My name is Tyler Pino. My name is Michael Holler, and Zach is still dead. Where is he for real? Where, he's, what is the what is the story? He's dead. He's in Maine. Um, for the summer. For the week, I guess. For I the week, I don't know. He's gonna come back next week. I have no idea. People he's, have been asking me uh, where he is, and you keep <laughs> telling him. I told you I have an alibi. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a free man. I don't know where he is. Quit fucking asking. No, he's, uh... Michael he's, won't tell me. No, he's reenacting uh, the Iron Giant. Except... <laughs> what? That happened in Maine. Did you uh, know that? That movie took place in Maine. I haven't seen it in so long, I couldn't tell you. Looks like the Northeast, I guess. The foresty Northeast. New England, if you will. Well, we look. saw two films. Did we? Oh, we did. oh yeah, we did. Uh, um, um, I was thinking about what is the other one. Well, we saw Independence Day, uh, the second one, Independence ID, Day four two. ID four two. Why is it called that? It's called ID four colon two. Yeah. Are like people high? Are the people that try to do these titles? They're like, what is well, the, the first? No, what's the logic? The first one was ID four, and I still can't. Was that is? Did they meant Independence Day? is in July the 4th, but that's redundant. You would either be July the 4th or Independence Day. What is ID4? I don't know. It certainly doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but no, it's just like Fant 4 stick. We're like, what, uh, what is the actual logic behind doing these stupid little title things? Tick 3 in? Prince, uh, people, has passed away. Um, no one should be using these letters and numbers and titles anymore. It's just, it's unnecessary. And it's nah, confusing. but Leet speak. You know what? This, this actually, this reminds me exactly of... Uh, the logic behind the Fallout Boy Ghostbusters song, because big studio execs see all these kids on the Call of the Duties, and they're like, "Oh, look, he has numbers in his name where the letter E should be. Is that the new hip trend to do? Fucking, let's do that with Tick Three and and Scraform, and the next Taken movie will probably be Tforkin." You've completely lost me. What the fuck does this have to do with Fallout Boy? Well, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's the same kind of logic where, like, ha you've heard the new Ghostbusters song. I have. If anyone listening has not heard the new Ghostbusters song, Good on listen you. to it. It's it's quite possibly the most astounding thing I've ever heard. Um, but it's the kind of logic where you can only imagine that that song was greenlit because someone sitting in a studio office was like, what are the kids like? The Fallout Boys, they like, they're still popular, right? Make them make the song for this movie. Well, it's pretty, I, I, I do kind of love the idea of this Fallout Boy thing because they're they're 10 years past their prime. Like, that's not a relevant band no, anymore, No, like, it? when were they relevant, 1992? Uh, when listen, I was in, like, middle school. Listen, um, so that was a long fucking time ago now. <laughs> their relevance. That's over a decade. Their relevance was closer I'm almost, to... <laughs> I'm almost over a decade out of high school. The, the relevance of Fallout Boy is arguably closer to the release of the original Ghostbusters than it is to the new one. Yeah, maybe. I But, like... That and, and 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 Missy Elliott is the person that comes that in, is. does the rap. Um, she was also from that time period. She was a big rap star. Um, but both of those people, I, I, what the hell is going on at Sony, dude? I, you know, well, I don't. They, uh, they come. Well, they ousted their last person. They did. You know who they used to replace them? Um, the uh, uh, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Hi, um, Tom from the Deadpool test footage. Tom. Name last hey, last name escapes me, but he's the man who, for the longest time, did not understand superhero movies. Like he was ashamed that they would make money, 
and uh, he's the person for a long, long time, uh, gave the red light to Deadpool. He's like, it's an R-rated superhero movie. That's it's stupid. Kids aren't going to go see it. It's not going to make any money. It's dumb. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the one who's in charge of Sony now. He's going to clean up their act and do great things with the Spider-Man universe. Thomas Rothman is his name. Um, Tom Rothman. That's right. Did you hear, did you hear about the Spider-Man movies over at Sony? No. They're still making them. What do you mean? They're making a Venom movie. I'm not sure whether it's a Venom movie and or... And it's not going to be in conjunction with it's, no, no, listen, Marvel at all? It's not... They're not going to reference the Spider-Man world or the fact that Spider-Man's in said world. It's just going to be a Venom movie. So then that uh, rumor about Carnage being cast in the new movie, that's a complete crock of bullshit then, isn't it? I would have to assume so. But, I, you know, I don't know if they're going with Agent Venom or if they're going with Venom. I have fucking no idea. Well, either way. I'm waiting for them to actually be like, nah, surprise, the Ant May movie is true. I would still watch that. Like, <laughs> unironically, I would watch that movie just to see what the fuck that was. But I don't want it to be like young Ant May as a super spy or whatever the... Oh, no, that idiotic, was the whole thing. The asinine Yeah, and the bigger... No, I just want to watch, like, fucking Sally Fields as Ant May <laughs> as a nurse... Um, doing her day-to-day life and then thinking this is what people want. This is what the comic book community wants to see. Yep. Yep. Old ladies. Yep. It's, it's actually going to be like um, like any of those movies, like the Sex and the City movies or anything like that. It's just going to be trauma. No reference to Spider-Man. So what is uh, what have you heard about this Spider-Man spinoff? Uh, this, just that it's in the works. Okay, so I'm reading from... Um, Hollywood Reporter, now that Sony has set Spider-Man on its rebooted path, the studio is setting its sights on other Spider-Man franchises, case in point Venom. Sony has tapped Dante Harper to pen a script for Venom, something that has been envisioned as a franchise apart from the... But that's true. They have been trying to do this Venom movie independently of Spider-Man for a really long time, which is kind of baffling to me, because we've never had Venom and Spider-Man together on screen in a satisfying way. Well, think of it this way. The first instance of Harley Quinn and Joker being on screen is going to be in Suicide Squad, and it apparently is at the point already where they're just adversaries at this point. Well... Hypothetically. I mean, we're going to... I would assume that we're seeing her origin story, so we're going to see a little bit of both, but um, with that... I understand why it happened because of scheduling issues. Um, obviously, they needed Affleck for Batman v Superman, so they couldn't put the Joker in that movie because they already had um, a bunch of fantastic Jokers. villains uh, that were Joker-esque. And so they want to get Joker in Harley as quick as possible. So what do you do when you can't have a Batman movie with those two characters in it? Give them their own movie and put Batman in it. Um briefly so i i it does seem strange but i understand the logic behind it right just from a purely practical standpoint but this whole well i guess i could understand it from a practical standpoint from sony as well when you're looking at the fact that they don't own uh spider-man anymore technically well they do and they don't here's here's the thing i'm very concerned about the way the spider-man deal works because apparently from what i've heard all the revenue from movies where Spider-Man is in it, additionally, Marvel gets all of the profit. So for a movie like Civil War where Spider-Man's in it, Sony doesn't see a cent of that. Oh. However, for Spider-Man Homecoming, Sony's getting all of the money. You want to know one of the directors that had been attached to this uh, a long time ago? Venom? Josh Trank. Fuck yes, <laughs> he did. 
Um, but I, I'm interested to see, and actually vaguely uh, scared, that I'm hoping that this deal doesn't force either Marvel or Sony to get too greedy with it, because I'm expecting at one point for Marvel to just like, fuck it, we'll drop Spider-Man in here too, and now he's going to be in here too, and now he's going to be in this movie as well, and now he's going to pop up in this movie just to get that Spider-Man cash rolling in. Um, likewise, I really don't want Sony, after Spider-Man Homecoming is really successful, for them to be like, ah, oh, fucking Marvel, we don't need you anymore. It's our spot. We're taking them back now. And then have them get complete creative control yet again, because that will not I work out. I don't think out. that's going to happen. I don't, well, I don't think that that legally can. I, I don't know how the deal works. I don't know the nitty-gritty. It's apparently it, not even like a contractual deal. It's like a handshake kind of deal. It's a gentleman's agreement? It's a gentleman's agreement. Okay. Listen, well, no one's going to call. No one's going to sit in the front seat if you call shotgun. Well, it's... um. It, I don't know. I just I don't see uh, that happening. But this whole Venom thing, Venom by himself. Here's the problem with Venom. He's boring. He's not all that interesting unless Spider-Man is involved. He's he's an interesting idea in that it's this part of Spider-Man's history. It's this dark portion of Spider-Man that was a part of him at one point, and then it's gone on and and found his uh, his super secret enemy and then merged with him. So that's slightly interesting. There are things that you could do with that, but Venom by himself, he's just kind of like a third-rate spawn without it's, all the cool hell aspects. It's like having a Joker without a Batman. But Joker in of itself is still a more interesting... It's like having... Well, no, no, I would agree with that, because if Joker existed independently of Batman, he'd be fine, but he's much better as a Well, the contrast. reason why they work is because they worked well together. Mm-hmm. But the Joker, even of himself, is an interesting character. Venom's really not very much... Like, he's not the Spider-Man villain. It'd be more like if you had a movie about Mad Hatter. Yeah. Well, no, I would say that of Spider-Man's villains, um, Venom is up there in terms of, like... Popularity. Yeah. But not of necessarily intrigue. Yeah, but, like, Marvel's villains always kind of suck. Like, and that's Fair. that's even beyond the movies. Like... They're just, they're hero-driven stories. They're not really villain Well, Venom is the exact kind of problem you would have with the Marvel villain, because it's literally just an anti-Spider-Man. Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, But, I don't know, would you really, it's weird, because I don't see Venom working in the Disney Marvel universe. I don't see Venom working. Oh, I see Venom working in a movie, fine. you think yeah, that would be successful? Absolutely. I think it could. Well, not by himself, if he was a Spider-Man thing. Like, if we took Spider-Man 3, um, the Raimi version, cut out all that shit with Sandman, and just made one movie, I think it could be somewhat interesting. Well, it was funny, because that was the one aspect that he didn't want in that movie. I know, yeah. it was forced on him by uh, Avia Rad. But I, I, I think that it would have worked as a as its own story. The, yeah, the, it's it's one of those. The instances. problem with that movie isn't any one aspect of it. It's just it's all of them. It's not so stuffed. It just doesn't work as a story. There are three movies in there. Yeah. But I and I don't see Carnage working in the in the Disney Marvel universe. I I think that's too scary. I don't think like because Carnage has an innately read... scary look to it as well. Yeah. Um. Have you read the first Carnage arc? No. Where like he goes. He's going to destroy the universe. No, um, after it splits from... Well, Cletus Cassidy is a serial killer that uh, Eddie Brock meets in prison, and part of the symbiote suit breaks off and goes to him, and then that spawns Carnage. Um, And and the original incarnation of the character, 
um, if I'm not mistaken, like, you know how he's, like, red and black? Mm -hmm. The red is blood that he cuts himself. Like, there's, yeah, he, (laughs) he burns down an orphanage. Um, Then he cuts his wrists and, like, writes in blood, um, come find me Spider-Man or something like that. And when Spider-Man and the cops get there, because he's killed a bunch of, like, police officers too, and they're like, that's not the same. These guys were dead long before. Can't I, I don't know how they put it together, but they're like, yeah, no, he cut himself and is writing in his own blood. I don't see that happening in the Disney Marvel universe. <laughs> um, It'll so be on I, Netflix. He'll get his own Netflix series. I guess uh, it would be slightly more palatable um, from Disney's end if they were to go with the ultimate Venom timeline, where that, well, even that, like, are you familiar with Ultimate Comics or Ultimate Marvel's Venom. I think the only experience in the Ultimate Spider-Man universe I've had was one of the Spider-Man video games took place entirely in the Ultimate Universe. Okay, they universe. use him and they use Carnage. And that's the one where Deadpool's hosting a TV show. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Um, well, when you play as Venom in that game, one of the conceits is you have to eat people to stay alive because the symbiote suit there—it's not an alien; it's like this this biomech suit that they made, and it feeds off of human life force so he 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 literally eats people sucks their life and then spits them out and then they're just like dead decaying zombies awesome i think that would be cool i don't think it's going to happen in disney (laughs) i think that uh we have a we have an innate problem with this spider-man franchise now but from what i read i mean there was a, a leak while back, I don't uh, remember if it was like Reddit or 4chan first, but it ended up on everywhere. Um, that that did outline like a vulture plot. Yeah, I don't and know I if remember, that's true. Yeah, there was a big speculation too that uh, Michael Keaton was going to play the vulture, and everyone's like, "I get it, because Birdman isn't that funny." And then they're like, "No, guys, he's not vulture." And they're like, "Ah, so yeah, he's J. But... Jonah Jameson because the spotlight isn't well, that so funny." So who is he now? And they're just everyone's just like, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah, who is he? I'm not sure. They casted. They recently actually just casted a lot of people. I believe Crispin Glover was part of that. List. Yeah, they casted a lot of famous people to play like teachers. Yeah, um, interesting. A lot of people got excited over the Crispin Glover thing, and I've never seen whatever show he was in. Was he? Was it Community? No. Oh, oh maybe. I. I, just, I don't think so. Crispin Glover. He's famous for the movie. Uh, there's a one where he's like, he's got a bunch of rats. They're taking over a city. What? I don't know. Anyway. He was he was in Lazarus Effect, which was a horror movie, which wasn't good. And he was in The Martian, which I enjoyed that movie, but he was the worst actor in that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see where this whole cinematic universe is going to collide. He's Back to the Future is uh, George McFly. It's Marty's dad. No, 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 no. Not him. Uh, Danny Glover's son. Slightly different. Okay. Uh, I don't know who Danny Glover's son is. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Is is that his name, Kristen Glover? Yeah. Donald Glover. There you go. It was a Glover. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's from Community. That yeah. makes a little more sense. He wanted to play Spider-Man for a long time. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. But you know the whole thing at, at Sony, you're like, oh, you know, he doesn't have to be... Or no, he did have to be Peter Parker. He could be whatever you want, but but he can't be black. He can't be black. He needs to be white. No, they actually, yeah, they said he needs to be white. He needs to be white. And he needs to be straight. He needs to be straight. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Well, those are his two uh, 
defining That's what he's known for, yeah. exactly, right. You put him in a red suit, no one's gonna know who that is until they're like, oh no, he's straight and he's white, and they're like, oh, I get it, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. You know why that is, though? It's not just because Sony's, like, overtly sexist or homophobic or racist. Really? It, I thought that was a contributing factor. <clears throat> slightly. I mean, it, yeah. But it really it has to do with um, overseas markets, like China is a big one. If you have, like, an openly gay character, they're probably not going to play it in the People's Republic of China. Um, and that that counts for a lot of money. That's why uh, 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 the what's-her-name-can't-be-Tibetan, the ancient one. Oh, oh, really? Is that the reason? So there is that's a reason behind saying, it. Yeah. yeah. That's what, uh, I mean, um, um, they didn't come out and say that specifically, but the screenwriter for Doctor Strange did um, a show called uh, Double Toasted, which was formerly Spill.com, which was an amazing like movie review uh, podcast slash website. <clears throat> and he said that, yeah, it was pretty much because there's still this very contentious political situation with Tibet and China that if you even get a little bit political or anything that they could construe as political, they're going to turn it down. It's really hard to get movies shown in China because it's a communist hellhole, Michael. Iron Man 3 was shown in China. I know. And it had an, its own music video. That Did you see that Star Wars music video, the Chinese one? I didn't. Oh, it's great. I know, I know Star Wars never took off in China. No, they tried real hard. They had that uh, music video, but boy... Yeah, no, Warcraft, however. Oh, Warcraft, only yeah. Only doing business in China. You know how much money that made in the four weeks that it showed in the U.S.? Oh, yeah, by the way, it's currently out of theaters at this point. You know how much money it made in the four weeks it was showing here? $35. Uh, close. It made it $43 made, million. Uh, That's more than I thought. Um, and what did it make in China? It made over like $100 million $159 million. Okay, so but it to made put its that, budget back. But to put that in perspective, how much money did Deadpool make in its opening weekend? Yeah, but I mean, come on, it's Warcraft. What they were expect? I, no, 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 that's the whole thing. It's Warcraft. Like that's a, you say World of Warcraft, and people are like, oh, that's that video game. You right? know what it is, but would you really like when you hear the term World of Warcraft? You're like, oh man, I need a movie based on that. Like I know people that play Warcraft that were like, oh, okay. Especially considering like it, it hasn't been what it was for a long time, and it certainly like if this was based before the first game, like the actual. Warcraft games, not even like the MMORPG version mm-hmm. of it. That's like from the 90s. Like yep. the well, mid I mean, 90s. Here's the whole thing. That is a very recognizable name and I think that's what they're banking on. They're banking yeah. on their audience still being alive. However, their audience isn't alive. Like I know a lot of people that still play it and they love the movie, but everyone else I know that has no frame of reference to the game or no interest in the game at all, they're like should I yeah, see this it? isn't going to change your mind. Yeah, um, exactly. Like it's one of those things where they're like, "Oh yeah, it's that video game thing, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's the one." Like they're making a movie. I'm like, "Yep." I'm like I don't care. I'm like that's fair. Right. Um. Uh. uh yeah. Warcraft man. But uh, Spider Man. I don't know why the mask is so baggy. Did we yeah, talk about that? Have you seen we, the new Tom Holland Spider-Man? We were talking about it before yeah, the show. Yeah, I, I, I saw the mask, and it, it kind of looks like Spider-Man pajamas. Maybe they're doubling down on the underoos joke. He had a quote um, from before Civil War when they were asking him what was it like to go and uh, be Spider-Man for the first time. And he was like, well, I first put the suit on, and I was a little bit disappointed because it was all stretchy because the stunt double had worn it. <laughs> and then they, they made him a new one. But from what I understand, they didn't even have, like, a Spider-Man suit. He wore, like, a green suit, and then they... Uh, 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 CGI'd over it. 
For all of Civil War? Yeah. Um, This is what I read. There's an article from the people that did the special effects for it that said, in big, bold print, the suit was CGI 100% of the time. Wow. Yeah. Even in that uh, scene where um, he has the mask off and Tony's talking to him, like, at the very end where his ribs are broken and he's like... That was interesting. I remember seeing that and I'm like, wait, so it's... That was the only one that looked real. Yeah, and I was like, wait, so that's a real suit? Yeah. No. in, 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 In the movie itself, it was not... That really bummed me out. But, uh, well, at least we'll have a suit. I feel almost like it's what if, it's Disney's what? way of being like, oh, you wanted a suit? Fuck you. You're going to wish it was CGI. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, what if we all see the suit and everyone walks away like, oh, it was a really good movie. Oh, my God, that suit looked like trash, though. I don't know. Like, I... Uh, these are set pictures that we're referring to. Um, there were some set photos that leaked. Uh, he's... <clears throat> it shows Tom Holland in like a harness and in and his, his Spider-Man costume and he's going through a big concrete tube that's like on a truck. I don't know what the actual scene's going to be. But uh, yeah, the suit, when he the mask is off, like the first couple pictures are him with the mask off and it looks great. Um, there's also one where he's grabbing his crotch and it's hilarious. It's like, <laughs> it looks like he's like the suit's riding up. Um, when I saw it, somebody had posted that clip from Spider-Man 2 where how, uh, how Sparks and Spider-Man are in the elevator Oh, in the elevator, it's like, like, it kind of rides up like, in the crotch. It kind of rides up in the crotch. <laughs> but, uh, um, 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 so yeah, no, it looked good without the mask. The mask, though, it just looks a little bit backy. To the point where it's like, I've seen Spider-Man in Times Square, where the suit fit better. I'm like, that's... Well, it's interesting, too, because I think one of the most accurate adaptations of a comic book suit we've seen in recent times has been the Deadpool suit in the Deadpool film. Sure. Because that's something where when you look at it, like it looks exactly like the comic book panels. And even that, you'd assume that the face mask that he wore was just like the kind of baggy... But no, it was a it hard wasn't. shell. Yeah. yeah, it was the actual mask. Sometimes the eyes were cut out, and sometimes they weren't. Um, but that's what people are saying, is that they're going to animate the... Obviously, they're going to animate the eyes. Um, but uh, I don't know why they would have to animate the entire face. I really want this movie to open up with the old Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider It's already appeared in two different Spider-Man movies. No, I mean, like, open it. Open uh, the credits with it. I t- Actually, I- speaking, of, uh, speaking of set photos, um, they, there's been some set photos from the Power Rangers set. Uh, which have been rather interesting, and uh, because when I first saw the the photos for Entertainment, I had mixed feelings with them. I didn't like the helmet, and I didn't really like the way the suits looked in that photo. But also, flashback to Entertainment took the initial photos of Apocalypse in X Men Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and he looked like Ivan Ooze. And then you saw him in the trailer and in the behind the scenes photos, and like, oh no, he looks fine. Yeah. Uh, and then they also took the the photo of uh, Joker in the hot pink alligator skin trench coat with the cane and everyone's like what and you see him in the trailers for suicide squad and he's wearing the suit and you're like oh, okay joker so i think i'm just gonna call it at this point entertainment stop stop taking photographs of things you just make it look worse yeah but um know. well like the um the mcu costumes they always look a little bit wonky in person like especially that well the captain america costume from from the Avengers movie, the first Avengers. Oh uh, well, yeah. The, well, not awful. the first Avenger, the first Avenger film. Uh, first Avengers. Yeah. Um. It was goofy looking, but on set, holy. Sh- <laughs> That's silly. 
I'm sure it'll look fine, but that's silly. Yeah. It looks like it's made of. Uh, it looks, like, but like you see, like there's the there's the belt thing, yeah, and that's like cool. it looks like the thing's translucent, and I'm like, it looks. He's got that upside down Triforce from Neon Demon. Exactly. He's got the Neon Demon going on, um, but it looks much better than the fucking photos that Empire took. But yeah, no, the first Avengers movie was Captain America. That was actually the one part I didn't like Agent Coulson uh, was in that Avengers movie because he was like, I had some input on the suit design. And you see the suit and you're like, oh, Coulson, come on. I thought your taste was better than this. Yeah. No, but like especially seeing Chris Evans walking around on set like without the, um, like the, the, the color correction and everything. Holy moly, it's terrible. <laughs> it looks worse than the Halloween costume version of it. I post that on the internet all the time when people are bitching about like a lot of people complain about the Batman suit because they're hipster contrarians online um, and, 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 and BBS. Ah, so so I was just, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, okay, well, look at Marvel suits. And um, yeah, I just post it side by side with the actual, like, the, the rubies version of the Captain America suit from Avengers next to the actual Captain America suit from Avengers, and it looks better. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. It's the first time in history that a, a, a licensed Halloween costume knockoff looked better than the real thing. Oh, man, that was a bad suit. But well, I mean, we're at this past year's Comic-Con. And especially we... because, like, the first Captain America costume was great. Oh, yeah. It's like they figured out how to, because it's a silly-looking costume. Yeah, and they made it utilitarian. The comics, and they made it look Real, decent. tangible. Yeah, practical. Uh, they made it look like it existed in the world that it did. And... Having just rewatched Winter Soldier, I really did like the uh, the Director of Shield costume that he had because that looks like yeah, that's still my favorite one. It a it is it's mine too. Like the other um, um, more Zach comic hates it. One. Yeah, yeah. Zach is like, oh, so you like the Dark Knight suit? I'm like, no, he just thinks it looks good on Captain America. That's like the, the Director of Shield the Dark suit. Dark Knight suit. What do you yeah, because he's saying like that's the one where like oh they tried to be like Batman. Okay, yeah. They had to but then again, great. like that's his complaint with most things. But except. For BVS because there, they did not try to make it like Batman at all. That's <laughs> fair, but uh, but no, I, I like the director of Shield suit, and then it got better when they went and got the old suit from the first movie, and that made me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's looked fine, like it looked fine in Age of Ultron, looked fine in Civil War. Yeah, it was just the one. It was just, it was just the one was a miss. The one was a miss. It, I part of it was just like the fabric was weird. All the other ones, it looks like leather. Yeah, and this um, one looks like cotton. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a like a costume. Yeah. But uh, yeah, segueing off of movies, Independence Day resurgence. Yeah. Or ID four two, ID forty two, IG eighty eight, IG eighty eight, BB eight. But um, what did we, you? Uh, we saw it. What did it you was, think of it? It was exactly what I expected it to be. It wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be, but man, there were some parts that were really funny. I found it, like, highly entertaining. I thought it was a shit movie. Oh, yeah, no, not um, good. It, it, it kind of amazed me because it did feel like a time capsule. Like, it remind. I was having flashbacks to, like, watching Roland Emmerich's Godzilla when it was in theaters when I was, like, eight. Um, and it was kind of a good time uh, because of that. I was like, this is what movies used to be like. They were bad. Like, real bad. Well, Roland but, Emmerich movies have always been bad. Yeah. I Can you s- name a single good one? Um, I don't really... Like, I was watching that Red Letter Media review um, of, of Independence Day, uh-huh. the second one. 
And they were listing like all of his movies and half of the movies that he's done like since 99. I had no idea those were Roland Emmerich movies and I've never seen them like uh, like uh, uh, The Day After Tomorrow or uh, yeah, I've, I've 2012. Seen that. It's not, yeah, also not good. You didn't see 2012? No. Oh man, that movie was awful. Yeah. And no interest, but I it didn't I didn't know that was Roland Emmerich. I'll, he's always just the Godzilla and Independence Day guy in my mind. Also did Stargate in the original movie. Yeah. I Kurt Russell. I didn't see that. But um nah, Roland Emmerich, man, he's really trapped in the 90s. Even looking at movies like 2012 and Day After Tomorrow, you have all these dramatic intense moments where characters like they'll, they'll do that dramatic turn they're like I'm an orphan. The last thing I told my parents was that I hated them. Well, and it's really funny because they're like, oh, that's great. They're playing off of a... Tro- oh, oh, we're supposed to take this seriously. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I was... It, also, it reminded me a little bit of um, Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Which, <laughs> yeah. That movie... But that movie is self-aware. Yeah, that movie is satire. Yeah. But this plays like satire, although maybe it's not... Although it was, according to Jay Bowman, who's never lied to me before, written by like 12 different people. So maybe it had the Jurassic World thing. Where yeah, where one person Clearly knew. one of the screenwriters was like, this is going to be satire, and then none of the others did. Um, but God, you've got to appreciate that old park, right? Like, yeah, I should be watching that right now. But no, there are, there are points that come off as like genuinely fun. Like, it even reminded me a little bit of um Did you Starship pee your pants a little? yeah. Stuff like that. But, like, that open... It's not the opening scene, but when they first go to the White House and you see the big portrait of Will Smith, that was hilarious. Like, <laughs> that looked like it was played for laughs. It just looked so corny and stupid. Um, but then there were other parts where it was just like, yeah, this is uh, dramatic. Well, the whole movie played like it was supposed to be dramatic, and the movie tried for some laughs, and it's really funny watching the jokes not land with audiences. Because there were a couple where they made me uncomfortable because I'm like, am I supposed to laugh? Was that supposed to be funny? And the entire theater was dead silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and then there were other times, um, like when Bill Pullman comes, <laughs> there, there was that moment that the entire theater erupted into laughter, and it was unintentional. When Bill Pullman comes out and he's like in his flight suit. And he's, he's all like, clean shaven. I'm, I'm going to fly the plane now. Everybody laughed at that. <laughs> yeah. It was like, that's hilarious, Bill <laughs> Pullman. You're adorable. Um, but you know what? You know what's the best part about this movie, though? What? Bill Pullman was the only thing that kept entertaining me. Yeah, no, he was great. Um, uh, uh. All of the old cast. Jeff Goldblum Jeff has never great. not been Fucking good. Judd Hirsch Judd is Hirsch. hilarious. Judd Hirsch, movie. I've been thinking about this. This was my favorite part of the movie because it was so stupid. It was so bad and so dumb. Well, we, And it was awful. We're introduced to Judd Hirsch, who plays um, Jeff Goldblum's father in in both movies, I think. Yeah, he's in the I don't remember world. anything about the first one. That was one thing that was... Um, Fucking, we saw this movie, like, last night, and I can't remember it that well. Yeah, we saw it on Sunday. It's now Tuesday. Um, I don't remember a whole lot. But, no, I don't remember the first movie really at all, save for it was the movie where they blew up the White House and the Empire State Building and all that shit. Spoiler alert, they did not blow up the White House in this. No, they didn't. Um, They only blew up London. Which we have a funny theory on, um, because you see the rest of the world, you see the United States, and it looks like, like, Star Wars prequel. It looks like Coruscant. There's flying cars, like everything is like skinny and shiny. Yeah, the, cons- and the conceit is after the first 
movie happened when they wiped out all of our landmarks and stuff. When we rebuilt, we got this technological boost because now we have alien technology and shit like that. And the world has come together. It's peaceful except for one little sliver of Africa, which is still hostile territory for some In reason. In war, yeah, because, you know, Roland Emmerich's racist. But, um, but no, we cut to London. And it looks the exact same. Like, not even London 2016. It maybe looks like, like, London 1990. Well, yeah, it looks exactly like what London looks like. There's and, no difference. There, right. You see the London Eye, you see Big Ben, you see the, uh... Yeah, the, and that's the, the only the place. Faberge There's no building, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, and that's the only place. Like, there are no sky rises, there's no tall buildings like how you saw in the other ones, there's no future tech. It's just... Just London. Just London, right. And so, what we had to imagine was, was that after this whole Brexit thing happened... London just stopped advancing. Yeah. Like, it's just done. Yeah. Well, technically, doesn't work, because it's 2016 there, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. Well, in London, in the real world, I think it's 2016 there. But in the movie, as well, that's just, like, present day. Right? I don't know. They, did they talk about the... Oh, because they I said 20 years that, later, yeah, right? It's gotta be. So, uh, Brexit just happened. Or maybe they had an earlier Brexit. Maybe they had... And maybe it's alternate first Brexit. Yeah. But, uh, but no, that they was blew hilarious. up London, which was funny because, like, I guess we didn't see London get blown up in the first one. We saw lots of, uh, like, France getting blown up. Also, they didn't blow up the Eiffel Tower. They blew up the rest of Paris. Um, but the Eiffel Tower was still there. Yeah, you just see the alien queen was in her ship, and he's like, and blow that one up, and blow that one up, and blow that one, and then blow... Actually, no, that one's all right. Yeah, eh, don't fuck with that one. Right. The alien ship was something like, what, 3,000 miles long? Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, that's comically proportioned at that point. So I'm reading the uh, Wikipedia page just to look at the cast uh, to make sure I remember their names. Um, Judd Hirsch, it says, Judd Hirsch as Julius Levinson, David's father and the author of How I Saved the World, who now lives in a retirement home in Florida and is an avid fisherman. Didn't, when he gets rescued by those kids, didn't they say, well, our parents are vacationing in Florida? Yeah. So, were they not in Florida? Unless, like, that boat went from Florida to somewhere else. Well, didn't it end up in Washington? How? How does a small... Uh, 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 no, because there was the cruise ship, right? Not the cruise ship. The, like, the freighter ship that was behind him, and the freighter ship passed him, and then it hit the White House. Okay, well, what I would imagine happened was when the alien shit started going down, he got in his boat and went out into the ocean to be safe. And then that wasn't safe because they landed a plane that was no, no, the no, size. No, he was, he was just fishing. He had no idea that the aliens were coming. And then he turned around. And he's like, "I And the ship landed. I thought that he. Oh, maybe I don't know, man, dude. But like, cause, but if he was in Florida, why was it? Okay, so this says that he lived in Florida, right? Why is his boat not in Florida? Maybe it is in Florida. Maybe that's maybe like she was saying. But then it would have to. Okay, this doesn't make any sense, It doesn't, Michael. it's a fucking then that would mean movie. That the, the tiny boat that could not have enough fuel to get anywhere, like, you know how long Florida is? When I, we would, like, drive in and out of the state, um, go vacation, like, we would go to, like, North Carolina and stuff. When you get back to Florida, it's the longest part of the trip um, because it's a really long fucking dick-shaped state. I don't see how he got out of fucking Florida because then when the kids pick him up, they're like, our parents were vacationing in Florida. Well, maybe but why they... would you phrase it like that if you were in the state of Florida? That would be like, that would be like, hey, I'm taking a trip to New York today. Like, well, okay, you're in New York. Where are you going? 
um, upstate. Why didn't you say that? I don't know. I don't know. It's still whole, my favorite part of the whole fucking, movie. The whole fucking <laughs> part with Judd Hirsch was hilarious, and it made no sense. It was no fantastic. sense at all. Fantastic. So this ship crashes into the Atlantic, and it's roughly the size of the Atlantic. As no, well. it doesn't. It doesn't crash. It, it hovers lands. Above. Okay, whatever. It, yeah. Well, maybe does it does it? Cra- well, here's the thing. It was it, big enough to flies- have a gravitational pull such that the other like spaceships around Earth were getting pulled into it. Okay, right. And when it lands, it drops the whole city that it picked up onto a different city, right? But then it doesn't have a gravitational pull after that? No, it still does, but the Earth has a bigger gravitational pull, so it wouldn't be the same thing. Okay. So when it took off at the end, it wouldn't have picked anything up with it? No. Okay. No. As long, I, it would fuck up the Earth's gravity, I would imagine. But I was saying this to you um, in the theater. The... The, the the meteor that uh, killed the dinosaurs or created the ice age was they uh, they estimate it was about the size of Texas. Yeah, this was the size of the Atlantic Ocean, and it didn't do anything. It, <laughs> it was just fine. Well, here's the thing too. They uh, so the conceit of the movie is that they came here in the first movie because they wanted space fuel, which space fuel is apparently lava. Okay. And so they're drilling to suck up the Earth's lava in this new movie. Okay. And they're two minutes away from getting to the lava part with their giant laser drill. Okay. And they stop them. Wouldn't, shouldn't that fuck with the Earth? If you drill a hole that's like, how many miles down is that? I, it wouldn't matter. Like how, it wouldn't matter how wide the hole is, I would imagine. Well, yeah, because they said it wasn't like 30 miles across. Yeah, that would probably do something. Yeah. It went all the way down to two seconds away from the Earth's core. But here's the thing, Michael. It's 30 um, miles across. Wouldn't that just fill like a giant cup would? What do you mean? Like, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be like, wouldn't all that displaced mass just fill with water since it was in the middle of the Atlantic? Yeah. And wouldn't... Wouldn't that cool the lava? Wouldn't, wouldn't it just fuck with the Earth? No, it would probably do something. I don't know. Listen, um, the thing about lava, Michael, is it's just rock that is so hot that it melted. The lava in the Earth's core can't be all that different than the lava anywhere else. Why don't they just take some rocks and, like, heat them up? I don't know. I I don't know. If they can perfect interstellar space travel, why can't they invent something that gets hot enough to melt rocks? (laughs) And then just go to because there's so many rocks in the universe. I mean, like, if they get to the solar, like, most of the other planets are made either of rocks or gas. Go to Mars. They're not using anything. Just melt those and for your space field. You don't have to fuck with us. Well, because it was also a revenge plot. Since we blew up the other smaller ships last time, they were angry about and that. And here's the thing. I loved that uh, the, the... The queen? The queen was just a real big version of all the other ones. Because, like... It's, it's got this hive mind thing, right? Um, it communicates psychically with all of the other aliens. And uh, I, would, I don't know, just f- from like a sci-fi trope point of view, I would picture something like, I don't know, just like a big floating brain or something. I, I wouldn't think like that Like Starship Troopers, they're I, different. There yeah. was the brain and yeah. there was a queen and there was... Yeah. I wouldn't just picture it like a big version of the other, although I guess that's what a queen bee is, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's just a big fat bee. What a queen ant is. It's a big old ant. 
It looked remarkably... I guess Roland Emmerich has a better uh, grasp on biology than I do. Yeah, it looked remarkably like... It just seems silly. It looked remarkably like the xenomorphs from Aliens, particularly the queen. When she's out of the suit, it looks like the queen from Aliens. Sure, but what I like is it was just it was just a huge was version, just a of, the version of the regular of the regular, yeah. And she had like computers yeah. and stuff that we see her use, which was fantastic. She's not like doing anything with her mind. Like I would picture it like a Zerg type situation, or no, like no, Starship no, Troopers, buttons, where yeah. they're all like, or Alien, like where they're just like bugs. I would picture them being insect like. But, no, they're just regular aliens with, like, push buttons and stuff, and she's just a really big version of them, and she has a really big ship. It was adorable. It was fantastic. There was also... Oh, and she has a giant gun. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And then she gets out, and, like, (laughs) after they blow up her ship, she just starts wreaking havoc. Um, she's just running around, chasing a school bus. She's actually hopping around too. So it's here's hilarious. the thing. I, just like Judd Hirsch, right? So he uh, he gets saved by um, a, a station wagon filled with uh, teenagers and well, like a family without the parents because the parents are dead. Allegedly, yeah. They're um, in well. I mean, they're, if they're in Florida, they're close to death, anyways, because that's where old people go to die, isn't it? Well, also for vacation, they went to Disney without their kids. Oh, that's right. That makes sense. Um, so they're driving around in a station wagon. They see Judd Hirsch and um, pick him up. Then he's like, he wakes up and he's like, "Well, the safest thing to do is seek out my David." Which no, is the opposite of what is true. That's the exact opposite thing you should be doing. David is Jeff Goldblum. He's the one at the epicenter of all of this. I was, uh, uh, I had it explained to me because I, I didn't realize why he knew where to go because I don't remember shit from the first movie. Area 51. He was, yeah, he knew to go to Area 51. I, I missed that part completely. I was like, does he have like a homing device? How is he going to find them? But so he and these kids go and there's this subplot of them trying to find gas, but every gas station that they go to has a million cars because it's a disaster area. Um, so, but we're led to believe that they either drive from DC, which that's what it seemed like in the movie, uh, or Florida, which is what they said on the Wikipedia, um, from that point to Las Vegas without stopping for gas in like an old, like 1980s station wagon. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's really funny, too, because when they show them driving across the open desert, you see, like, the blue skies, and there's just a bunch of cars, and they're Mm -hmm. like, we need to get somewhere safe, I'm like, fucking, isn't it safe right there? Yeah. There's no aliens in sight, and so they go to Area 51, and you have the giant alien mothership flying above, fucking explosions are going off left and right, you see laser beams everywhere, and you're like, how's much safer? When they get to Vegas, um, they They finally run out of gas, but then they find um, a, a, a school bus uh, that has been abandoned, I guess. Where was the... I guess it's like a summer camp, and it's a bunch of kids that are wearing bunny ears. Um, they all look like uh, Louise from Bob's Burgers. And where's the driver of the bus? What happened? Oh, he said they, uh, he, said they left. Okay. Was, he said he was going to his, go- his girlfriend or something. Okay. I was like, what? Okay, right. why not? Um, so Judd Hirsch then commandeers the school bus with all the children in it. And now he drives 30 children into the heat of battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Oh, um, my God. And, and a school bus. And when they finally get to Area 51 and all the shit's going down, he's, like, having to drive and pilot the school bus around these explosions. And it's the fastest school bus I've ever seen. It was legitimately the best thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. <laughs> Like, I was so, I was cracking up. It was great. 
Um, it, it has. It, it very much reminds me of Jurassic World. But no, I turned to you and I was like, "This is how they're ending a movie in the year <laughs> 2016." 2016. <laughs> Judd Hirsch driving a school bus. Uh, around alien explosions. And then at the end, when it's all said and done, he's like, well, our parents are dead. Where will we go? He's like, oh, you could just come live with me. That's how adoption works. There's no paperwork. He's just like, yeah. Just well, I mean, there. my favorite part, too, is like, at the end of the movie, they're just like, we're going to take the fight to them. And my whole thing is like, they fucked you up just now mm -hmm. like you almost lost this battle <laughs> but just can you imagine like uh if this were like i was gonna say a chris nolan movie but he kind of ended a movie with a with a school bus and explosions didn't he in dark, it was dark Knight rises. rises yeah um i don't know can you picture any other movie with judd hirsch piloting a, like any movie that's trying to take itself seriously with judd hirsch driving a school bus through area 51 um <laughs> in the middle of uh an alien invasion i think it's fantastic uh, anything connected with Jeff Goldblum, I guess. Any of his uh, family line. That's that's why I agreed to go see the movie. I was like, well, Goldblum's in it. <laughs> well, I mean, I texted you, like, I want to watch something bad. Mm -hmm. And it was either this or The Purge. I had completely forgotten that it even came out. And it was fucking Independence Day weekend, and I forgot. Well, it came out the week earlier. The Purge, um, the reviews aren't so bad. It's got like a 60. Really? 60%, yeah. I think it's just uh, they're probably doing like a Trumpy thing, right? Uh, satirizing the election process. The person's not smart enough to do that. Somebody is. No, well, have to be the tagline is the tagline is, but I'm just What's thinking the, that whoever made the, the tagline purge is election just year hilarious, it? huh? It's called the purge election year. Yeah, and they built that up from the last movie. Well, we were gonna have an election then too. We don't stop having elections, Michael. We didn't decide to have this election because of the purge. Uh, you don't know that, no, no. But the way the the way this election is going, this may our this may be our last. So let's talk about the parts of the movie that we didn't really like. I didn't. Um, the new cast. Yeah, the new cast. They were all kind of forgettable, meh. generic. This, but that's where the contrast really came out the most for me. Is I loved all of the characters from the old movie. Yep, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman. Uh huh. Data, fat, long-haired, gay Data. And right, right, right. He died in the first one. Yeah. Well, apparently he was just in a coma. No, 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 no. He straight up died. How did he die? What? What was? I'm not doubting you because I've heard this from everybody else. But how did he actually die? Uh, the alien broke his neck, and then you saw one of the FBI agents ran up to him, checked his pulse, and looked at the camera and did this dramatic. He's like, like no coma <laughs> yeah. oh well um yeah no uh he, did he have a gay lover in that movie too i don't think so because he did in this one roland emmerich was actually bragging about that um before the movie opened he's like yeah we have an openly gay couple and they're old and one's from star trek he's got long hair now but he was good. I liked him. I liked him with his laser. I liked his. Uh, I liked his little husbando. Um, <laughs> they were cute. Uh, I liked uh, Bill Pullman. Was great. Um, Bill Pullman was the best part of the was, movie. For he me. was one can of the highlights. Only, can you only imagine? Because well, Will Smith turned this movie down. I'm glad and he wasn't in it. Fuck him. I think he would have been the worst part of the old cast if he came back. Because he would have been to Will Smith. The other people like. But here's were, the whole thing. He's what carried the old movie. 
Because the old movie, fucking movie wasn't good, script wasn't good, nothing about it was good. But man, those actors were charismatic as hell. Jeff Goldblum sure. and Will Smith together, like that was great. But Will Smith in the year 26, I like, I don't, I don't know, I just don't care about him. I just don't like him very much. I don't hate him. I'm just, I've but, been watching him since I was a small child, and it just, it's never really been all that different. But here's the thing. He's been in a couple you, of movies that I If like. you had removed um, not Will Smith and young Liam Hemsworth from the movie and just replaced it with Will Smith, would it have been better? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Liam Hemsworth, he's just like a wet blanket. Like, he's never really stood out to me. That being said, I didn't hate him in this movie. I just didn't really give him a whole lot to do. He peed in an alien ship. Yep, he, he piloted a ship. A lot of year. This, movie, lot of this, in this movie, movie happens almost beat for beat as the old one. Does it? Yeah. Like, you have the it's alien ship. in my ear. For some reason, um, Neon Demon just started playing in your iTunes without, <laughs> without me telling it to. Anyway, go on. Um, yeah, no, it's just, yeah, the best part is the old cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It reminded me of the 90s, and I liked it a lot for that. It was so just cartoonish and outlandish, and uh, that's what a movie like this needs to be. Like, honestly, it was a bad movie, but I don't uh, regret seeing it. Not <laughs> not even a smidge. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't regret seeing it. I also don't remember most of it at this point. I remember the I remember the overtly funny beat. Funny beats. Like I remember when Jed, uh, when Judd Hirsch is uh, driving away from a tidal wave, and it cuts between this insane wide shot of this big wave to an extreme close up of his face, and he's going, "Oy vey, oy vey, oy vey." I'm like, "This is fucking hilarious." Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. Um, wonderful, wonderful sequence. And uh, he didn't die, and he lived happily. Is he the ever only after. member of the old cast that didn't die. Oh yeah, spoiler alert: he didn't die. Who else? Who died? Bill Pullman died. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, uh, the mother died. Oh yeah, but I, I completely forgot about her. Because the mother works in a hospital. Because of course it. she does. She's only in it for a scene. Um. Yeah, Judd Hirsch and. Uh, Is that big black guy in the first one? Nope. Uh, He's and, great. I liked him in his his uh, his machetes. Oh my god, that was fucking hilarious. Oh, it was fantastic. That was fucking hilarious. He's like, how do you kill him? He's like got to get behind them like prison rape and so yeah and so there's a sequence where they have a bunch of aliens that are like captive in in this military base um and they come back online when the the mothership gets there and yeah they so were all in comas it starts killing um uh data and then the guy like this giant no it starts rip. killing bill pullman oh okay well, yeah whoever they, it got and they shoot the glass out and there's like eight fbi agents with super advanced alien laser rifles well you got to get behind them michael they could that doesn't hurt them they're in armor they're in space armor yeah and and so they're all eight of these people with these super laser rifles are all shooting at this one alien mm-hmm. and this alien is just laying waste to them and so but this, this giant huge... <laughs> this giant middle-aged obese african warlord <laughs> Slides in between its <laughs> he legs. Slides in between its legs. Pulls out his but fucking machete. And he's he fucking he like ah oh, it's great. He like he slices their their they're like tubes in the back. Oh man, it was my favorite part. Michael's like Michael's cracking him like shut the fuck up. That was awesome. Um, John Oliver was also really good in this movie. <laughs> 
John. <laughs> There's a guy that looks like John Oliver. Um, he's like a he's like a he's like a weenie little uh, 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 a bureaucrat guy that gets oh, sent out, but he's like <laughs> he's trying teach to teach me how to like, do that. Can you give me one of your katana blades and teach me everything you know? Those aren't katanas; they're machetes. That oh, was this great. movie was so fucking No, but funny. I did like because uh, they go to this African warlord's place um, to. Why were they going there? Uh, because that was the only ship that was not un, it was undamaged. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah there was a that ship one there. landed okay. instead of crashing. Okay, yeah. So they get there, um, and um, <clears throat> Jeff Goldblum. Oh, and the uh, and the African warlord, his father, who was a previous African warlord, didn't allow the government access to that crash site. So when he died, the son said, all right, you can come. Okay. Well, they get there, and uh, Jeff Goldblum's girlfriend is there with them. She wasn't in the first one. Really? I'm, it sounded like she was a new person they introduced. It sounded to me like It she sounded was like there was the history, but I don't yeah. remember her in the first one. Because he's like, I think we there's bumped a into girl. each other a time right again, and the guy's like, ha ha, I bet you did, and by bump into, I mean coitus. Um, but... He gets there, uh, they, they find this guy, and as they're, like, suiting up, he opens up this briefcase uh, with two machetes and looks at them dramatically, and I'm like, oh, those are going to help. Um, <laughs> but they did. They were great. And uh, so that was good. My favorite subplot uh, was the pirates. <laughs> there's a, there's oh, a yeah, ship there's with pirates pir- looking for gold in this movie. And they serve no purpose whatsoever. She was not in the original one. They could have... Really? Was not, yeah, she was not in the original one. Okay, that's weird because they, they totally made it seem like she was. It's it's probably because there was there was a love interest girl from Jeff Goldblum's character in the first movie, and she probably said no to coming back. She was like, I'll make a new one. Yeah, she looked like the red-haired lady from uh, Godzilla. I'd like to imagine that that's who it was. <laughs> She's the same scientist uh, from that world. She's like, you remember when Godzilla attacked New York City? That was fucked up. And then those aliens, man, we're we're just fucking. Ninety six sucked, and then ninety eight was worse. Yeah. Um, boy, oh boy, but uh, what was what, she's drawing? Like, there's there's another. Okay, pirates, a. <laughs> You could have cut that entire subplot out and it would have made no difference. Nope. They did nothing. They did nothing. So there's a shot in the middle of the uh, Atlantic Ocean of, of this. They might not have been pirates. They were like... No, they were, they were legit looking for sunken gold. It doesn't necessarily mean piracy. Pirates are going to steal something from somewhere else. I, they're pirates. Fine. I don't <laughs> care. I was the one who called them pirates in the first place. Um, and there, yeah, there's like a... There's like, no, they weren't, because they get like a call from somebody, and they're like, uh, the government's saying, you have to come back. No, they so, said, no, you're the only boat in the area. Oh, okay. Yeah. It yeah, was so the- they're looking for a, a sunken ship with like $100 billion worth of gold on it. Um, and so they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And then the mothership comes down, and they're like, oh, we should probably do that. But then they don't. Then they just get cartoonishly drunk. And, like, that scene was wonderful because it it came across, like, people pretending to be drunk that had never been drunk before in their lives. (laughs) Like, they were, they seemed more like they were high or something, but they just decide to stay there through the whole movie. And for, like, hours and hours, we keep cutting back to them for no purpose. Well, there's this whole thing where, like, they were looking for sunken treasure, and then when the ship landed, the treasure disappeared? I think it is. And they're like, 
the gold is all gone. We can't get the gold anymore. And then they're like, we got a call from the government. And they said that they need someone to watch the ship and monitor what it does. And we're the only ship in the area. And they're like, tell them we'll do it for a hundred million dollars. And they're like, they said yes. And they're like, all right, cool. And then they do nothing for the rest of the movie. Yeah, they just sit there. But we keep checking in with them every once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, that plot goes nowhere. Yeah, they, they no, keep getting... It starts nowhere and it goes nowhere. <laughs> they keep getting back to them and they're like, there's seven hours until this laser reaches the Earth's core. And then it cuts back to like Area 51 and they're like, there's seven hours until no, it reaches the Earth's it, core. It, it literally doesn't matter. It's really... It's kind of incredible how redundant it is. Like, it just... Nothing happens. Nothing. It's it's spectacular in its in its inadequacy. It it really is funny though that they're like this one little tiny fisherman boat, and they're like fifty feet away from this thirty mile wide across laser that's just drilling into the Earth's core. Like you do, like you do, like you do. But uh, this movie was hilarious, Tyler. So there's also a big space pinball that comes to save us that we shoot. Oh yeah, we shoot a space pinball. But it's a it's, it's a, a good space it's pinball. It's a supercomputer that um, it tells us that its species long ago gave up a biological existence for a digital one, which is vastly superior, despite being the only member of her species left. But here's the thing: that's why it's confusing to me. I'm like, well, a, how do you decide that? Also, how do you die? What do you mean? Because they're trying to like. If you're a virtual existence, doesn't it mean you're like you're in the internet? Well, no, but this is the thing about this like this this big space ball that we had to protect through the whole movie. It also did nothing, nothing. No, it but, served no purpose. No, but all the aliens were afraid of it. <laughs> no, they wanted it. Like she she was trying to steal it, right? No, she was trying to destroy it. Well, whatever. They, yeah, that, that was their like one of yeah, their many you, all the, all one of, of their many all motivations the people, all the people who had the psychic connections to the aliens yeah. which they got from i guess being the, exposed the first one, to yeah, the aliens i guess but not uh not jeff goldblum yeah, despite see. him being in the alien mothership i don't know how the first movie works so i can't help you there yeah at the very end like him and will smith both fly into the alien mothership to yeah, upload he, a he, Windows 98 virus into it. It's actually it. a, it's a it's an Apple iMac uh, virus from 1998. Yeah. And uh and yeah, that's, that's Apparently there's a deleted scene which attempts to explain why that uh worked. I guess they had somehow bridged the two. There's just like an expository scene where he's like, "Well, if we do this and we do this and we can upload this." But in the movie, in the actual theatrical run, they're just like, "We're going to plug this laptop into it." alien spaceship and it's gonna be uh, completely compatible for no reason <laughs> but um but but no all these people who have the psychic connection to the alien draw these weird lines and they're like this one means fear it means enemy and then apparently all the all the aliens with the massive world building blower upper devices are afraid of one of the alien species of which they already blew up yeah. Uh, because the last surviving member of this alien species, of whom is vastly superior, because um, they traded in their physical existence for a virtual one. Apparently, it didn't work out so well because they're all dead. Um, has been training the refugees of other planets to fight against the aliens, mm-hmm. and yes. that's why they were. Ref- I don't. Un- I, do- See, I wanted don't, to come I don't and understand- save some people. Yeah, I. I don't to understand- bring it back to its planet. I don't understand. But then it made us its leader. 
Yeah, I don't understand why the aliens were afraid of this ball that had a bunch of training refugees from other planets to fight them when they already blew up all these other... It's That's like... Yeah, they what, didn't adequately that, explain like? what no, this thing they, was they capable didn't. of doing it's, at all. It, it was just a big ball. And it did nothing. It did literally nothing. Yeah. It served no purpose. It was a red herring at first because it comes out... Um, Here's the other thing. This <laughs> this like this all-knowing space ball uh that wants to come and save us. It's space Moses. It understands it's us. Space, it calls it, us this primitive species. Um and then it comes out of this portal directly onto a, a like military a military base. base on the moon and then gets shot down. But it didn't like think to say like hey, uh come and it didn't send us a warning uh, that it was on its way. No, it it just it didn't like even shoot us a text to be like, "Hey, uh, don't fire at me when I get there." Yo, be there in five minutes. Um, no, it just it showed up to this primitive species in front of their military base with no warning for a species who's already afraid of a pending alien invasion. Right, and it, then it gets blown up. But if it yeah, if it's this vastly. Um, advanced thing it should probably think like just think about like if you were to approach like an animal or something that you were trying to rescue you wouldn't like go up to it and be like booga 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 and then not expect it to attack you because you're the superior species with the knowledge of like we have to we have to uh, approach this a certain way it should have just shown up at the edge of the universe just or the edge of the galaxy just been like Doom, 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 yeah. doom. And we've been like, ah, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe like sent like I imagine that there's gotta a be gift like basket? other robot. Intergalactic gift basket. Send us an edible arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. But uh that didn't happen. Um You know what what's funny too, what struck me as really funny? So many characters in this movie, but go on. The president, um, they evacuated the entire presidential staff into Cheyenne Mountain. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like how is that supposed to be safe? Like, granted, I understand Cheyenne Mountain is one of the safest places right now. Sure. But they live in a world where there are literal alien super lasers. Mm-hmm. They've had 20 years to build and fortify literal force fields. Sure. Maybe they got all of that around Cheyenne Mountain, too. They just refortified it. They but they didn't because they just landed and they blew it up. Well... I don't know, um, sir. I don't know. So, how would you? How good would you say this movie is? Great. <laughs> it's great. Um, and would you recommend it? Wholeheartedly, I recommend it to everyone. Like, unironically, <laughs> please go see it. It is a fun time at the movies. Like, I was, I was thoroughly entertained, entertained from 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 the start to the end. Um, it was shit. It was a terrible movie. But I don't like compared to anything else that's out right now. Like, what are they going to go see? Like, Legend of Tarzan. Yeah, I mean, no, this is this is it, hands down. This gets your money for this week and next week. Yeah, go see it. You won't be disappointed. Or conversely, you could see the Neon Demon, well, which we also saw. Uh, to be fair, most people can't. 
Um, it's not a wide release. It actually is. It opened in 7,000 theaters. Really? They Yeah, Amazon released it in a rather wide market, that and it is not doing well. I was going to say, that sounds like a mistake, Amazon. What are you doing? Uh, why not? Yeah. You would think because it's Amazon, why not like stream? Uh, why not make it streaming? They are. They have. At the same time? I think so, yeah. That or it's getting a theatrical premiere first. Or, I, I don't, don't understand movies don't anymore. Neon Demon, a newest film by Nicholas Winding Refn. Well, when does uh, Zach actually get back? I like next week. I don't know. Because I want to talk about this with him, but we could talk about it a little bit. That's fine. We're getting into an hour. We won't get too deep, but uh, go ahead. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly as well, and um, I, I mean, I'm giving a lot of ironic praise to. Uh, Independence Day. Day. But no, this was a... This was a... I don't know if I would call it a good movie either. <laughs> um, it is a... Got a very, very narrow audience, I would imagine. Yep. Um, this will appeal to a very, very small subset of the population. Yep. However, if you like movies like... Um, you like the films of Dario Argento. You like... Um, um, Lars von Trier. Lars von Trier. Uh, if you like the movie Eraserhead and things like that, really abstract films, um, abstract horror, which is one of my favorite, is, yeah. one of my favorite little mini genres. Um, you'll like this movie a lot. It is a it is a celebration of sight and sound. This film, very loose plot. Um, a little bit more of a plot than something like Only oh God, God Forgives, yeah. um, which had a, which I really enjoyed as well. I'm not huge on it. I don't hate it. I was just I saw it. It didn't really have much an effect on me at all. I thought it was very pretty. I thought he he uses light um, and he uses sound in an interesting way. Um, beyond that, I don't know. I like Drive. I love Drive. Um, Drive is kind of like I would say it's like Neon Demon Light. If we're going to look at it that way. It's more accessible than Neon Demon would be. Not very accessible in terms of movies, but a lot more accessible than, than this Neon one, Demon. Yeah. Comparatively. See, um, Drive it had this marketing phenomenon where they marketed it like it was just an action movie. I know oh, a lot yeah. of people that went to go see that movie and they were like, I don't know what the fuck this is. But um, it's a it's a fine film. Uh, Neon Demon. Have you seen Bronson as well? No, I haven't. It's on Netflix. You should watch it. Who's uh, in that? Tom Hardy. Oh, okay. I know what that is. I, nothing like this. It doesn't look like, is it? No. Excellent yeah, that, though. Excellent. That just looks like a regular movie. It is. It's a very regular movie, and it's it's great. Okay, so they, he's got uh, some some normal movies. He's got some not so normal movies. So anyway, Michael, you saw this movie twice. I did. The first the time f- we saw it, I saw it with Zach uh, and our friend, uh, who. Who's closer to Zach? He goes to film school with him. But um, we saw it at a, uh, a screening where Nicholas Winding Refn, the director, was there, and it was it was excellent. There's a story that came out of that from the Q and A session that happened there. But I'll let Zach tell it because he loves it. So this, where was this? This was in Brooklyn. Yeah, it was at the BAM. So uh, you have like a lot of hipsters. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Speaking of the BAM, have you ever noticed there's uh, swastikas? Around the whole building? Never been there. There are swastikas around that whole building. It's really weird. Um, but Maybe we saw that's it. why uh, Winning Refn picked it. Probably Because he's racist. You just ruined the story, you fuck. They didn't have to know that. Cut that part out. Or you say it ruined it. Ruined it. Anyway. But, uh, but yeah, and then <laughs> like two nights later, 
Zach and I had this wonderful idea. It's like, oh my god, wouldn't it be fucking great if we took Tyler to this and he didn't know what this movie was? I kind of knew what it was. It was I had an idea. I know Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, but no, since since Zach isn't here, this is probably one we'll want to talk about more with him. But uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. I thought um, all around very entertaining. Uh, I like that abstract kind of filmmaking, though. Like, I really like uh, Suspiria, which is a movie that I feel like Nicholas Winding Refn saw when he was young and has never stopped making. Like, he's like, <laughs> I'm just going to remake uh, Suspiria a lot. <laughs> Um, this is a little bit more out there than Suspiria is, but similar um, themes, similar uh, similar use of light and sound and uh, atmosphere. That's what I would say is probably his strongest suit, is he has a wonderful sense of atmosphere. Yes. Um, the soundtrack to this movie is... Beautiful. It's great, and it's unnerving, and there's just so many things like that happen in this movie that don't happen in conventional horror movies. Like, But this, to me, was a lot more... It just makes you uncomfortable. Like, there's like a lot the witch. Of, uh, the witch yeah. has a very similar feeling. The witch more so... The atmosphere lies in... The, wi- the witch is a... Like, comparing the paranoia. This, yeah, comparing this to the witch would... Like, the this makes the witch look like fucking... Um, scream or something just, like, made for a... <laughs> Hugely general audience, but yeah, no, they, they those are both atmospheric films. Yeah, when we went and saw this in mass release, uh, there were like ten people in the theater, uh, and that's four, including me, Tyler, Zach, and our friend Henry. Went there were more well. than I thought there would be. Right, but by the end of the movie, almost everyone had walked out. Yeah, which that was my favorite part of watching this movie was seeing where people drew the line, <laughs> because it was at strange points. Um, there's a scene, uh, spoilers, I guess, uh, towards the end. I, well, we won't spoil it, but something happens. Something, like, really gory and fucked up happens. But then, two seconds later, it cuts to uh, two, two, two ladies in the shower together. Two literal supermodels. Yeah, like, one's, in, one's an actress and one's an actual supermodel, though. Um, but they both look like models. It, it cuts to them in the shower together. And then, like, this one group of people just walked out. Like, that was, that was where they drew the line. No gore, no, uh, no, no, no intended rape, no, uh, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> Keanu Reeves was amazing. <laughs> you kids are all the same. I don't know if... Some real Lolita shit. I don't... <laughs> I, this is like my favorite Keanu Reeves role since fucking Neo, honestly. <laughs> like this was. You didn't great. like John Wick? Oh, I love John Wick, but I think that this was even better. This was like holy fuck, because John Wick feels like it's kind of playing off of the Neo thing, like it's a similar character kind of. Um, but this was like, oh boy. I, it was a creative way to use him because Keanu Reeves is one of those actors where you can't really direct him; he's just Keanu. You just have to know where to put him. <laughs> and it's uh, like Nicolas Cage. I would like reading the script. I would have never looked at the script and thought Keanu Reeves. But holy fuck, I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> because I, like, can you imagine if this was like Joe Pesci or like, Robert De Niro or something? And be like, Neh. but Keanu, it's like, yep, bravo, bravo, all around. Um, yeah, 
a lot of uh, what you found out. We'll let Zach tell most of the story about that, but like what you found out about Winning Revan in mm-hmm. this Q and A is uh, you you watch these movies, and if you're a film student or if you're somebody that's just kind of like a film hobbyist, like uh, this is your first foray into like weird stuff, you might be tempted to think that, that a movie a like this that yeah. there's a lot of meaning buried in it and entrenched in it. But having done um, like a lot of abstract theater and dealt with a lot of people that write these abstract things, I gotta say, 90% of the time, it's like, let's do something random. Oh, that's creepy. We'll put that in there. Yep. And the audience goes and sees it, and they pull all the shit out and of they it. Think, yeah, they make their own story. It's in their art. Mind. Yeah. Um, not the case. Not not quite the case with not Mr. Winnie Revan. No, uh, we went and <laughs> we went and saw this Q and A with him, and uh, there was a lot of interesting questions, and uh, everyone asked him a very artful question. And his response was usually, oh, that's, that's cool. Or, no, that's really... Someone asked him about the title particularly. They asked him about, what is the Neon Demon? What does it mean? Is the Neon Demon the uh, representative of the triangle? Represented that she keeps, by the triangle, Represented yeah. by the triangle that she keeps seeing, and this she is what drives her like, character insane? She sees this upside... It's the Triforce from Zelda. It's that exact symbol, but it's upside down. Yep. Um, she keeps seeing it, and whenever something bad's about to happen, it pops up in some way. Yep. So the question was... Yeah, is that the Neon Demon? He's like, huh. Well, and the question was like, is that, well, what does what does the title represent? Yeah. And he answered this question in two parts, and he, addressing the whole thing with uh, the Neon Demon and the colors, because someone asked him about the colors, he was like, is it supposed to be like blue when, you know, she's still very innocent, and red when she makes that change? And then his whole response was like, oh, I, I'm colorblind, but, uh, you know, red's easy to see, blue's easy to see. I think triangles are cool. They are. That's it. And someone asked him, like, well, what is the title? Like, what is the Neon Demon? What does it mean? And he was like, well, I wanted to make a horror movie, and uh, uh, demons. Demons are scary. Those are scary. And uh, I I like working with neon colors a lot. I love neon colors. And, uh, you know, the is just the perfect way to start a story. Brilliant. Perfect. All you need. Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like this probably happens a lot more often with these weird abstract films um, than one would think. Yep. Because like people like to think that there's a lot of meaning buried behind something, but it's not usually the case. Now, one could make the argument that um, the last really weird theater piece that I did was um, called Aleister Crowley. Uh, it, not called Aleister Crowley. It was Aleister Crowley's The Rights of Eliasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a thing that was written by Aleister Crowley, who was the famous occultist from Britain. Um, one of his like ceremonial rituals, we took the script to that, uh, and then we performed that. But we also just put in a bunch of other random shit that made it look weird and creepy. This is one of the weirdest things I've ever fucking done. There was a there was a part where um, there's a guy doing meth. Uh, like he, the, the director found this video of this man injecting meth and then jacking off, and they played that and uh, they projected it in the back. It was people in a real theater. This is New York. It's fucking odd. But ninety percent of the stuff that came out of that show was like he would just go on Tumblr. Uh, he would go and like find magazines and then like we would just 
pick a random line. And then if it worked, we're like, yeah, put that in the show. Or build something around it. Um, so you could make the argument. What his whole thing was, he was very uh, magically minded. He was uh, an occultist himself, the director of the show. Okay. And um, there's a, in Chaos Magic, there's a thing um, where it's, you're just kind of, it's like divination. You're allowing things to come to you just from the ether. And that's what he wanted to make this show like. But I have a feeling that more often than not, when you see these really abstract pieces, it's something like that, not necessarily looking at it magically minded, but just randomly finding stuff. Um, And then it works. It's, It's all about discord. It's about how things don't work together and it makes it weird. Um... It's a perfect representation of what this movie was. Yeah, basically. Because there's so much imagery in here where it's just like, whoa, uh, that's weird. (laughs) But you were saying, um, he said, uh, uh, the ending of this movie kind of changed midway through shooting it. Yes. Um, Jenna Malone is a character in this movie, and there's, there's a scene which we won't spoil, but she kind of came to this conclusion which reshaped the entire film. Yeah. I really wish, we talked about it when we were just talking about it after the movie, but I really wish somebody asked him, like, what was the ending before? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I can't fucking imagine, because there, um, there, there is a story. It's a very loose one, and it's, it's very uh, threadbare. Yeah, it's a little empty. But, but it's, the beauty it's lies there. upon the beauty lies upon there's a logic where to they it. go with it. Yes, yeah. there's a definite logic to it, um, and it works as a story. I feel like sometimes with these, like, I mean, I would say that Eraserhead has a story. Um, a lot of other David Lynch stuff, like, uh, what, did you see Inland Empire? No, I didn't. I really wanted to like that movie, but I just don't. Um, it was one of his, uh, it's one of his more recent films. I think it's his most recent film, but he put it together and it was a lot like Eraserhead where you know the story behind Eraserhead yeah. right? where you shot it over like five years yeah um, just when they got funding it was kind of like that but it was I just he was Evil shooting Dead, but Evil Dead had a narrative <laughs> yeah well he was shooting um, this movie just kind of when he could it wasn't a matter of funding at this point because he could get funding he's David Lynch um, but he was just shooting it as it came to him but that movie didn't work because there's there isn't even a threadbare narrative. It's just stuff happening. And that, to me, is boring. I think you can add weird shit on top of it. But like I said with this uh, play that I did, we had a story. It, it was very. Uh, it was based on a play that existed. And then you add stuff to it. Um, I think where people go wrong with this is they make it completely random. Um, and so there's nothing to connect to. Because mm. it's, it's just a series of weird images then you just get like the video from the ring for three hours <laughs> like would you really watch that <laughs> yeah. um but no like there's a there's characters there's character development she goes through a little nice arc and uh it all goes to a logically sound place it's set up in the first 15 minutes of the movie you can kind of grasp where it's going um i mean even from the tone like the way that the movie first kicks off like with its opening shot it starts off foreboding. Yeah. And it, you kind of see the pattern and the theme and the tones that it follows throughout the entire course of the film. So there is stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I would say, like, from beginning to end, yeah. I, it, there's a lot of random stuff that happens, and there's a lot of little sidetracked moments where you're like, what is this? 
But no, if you're looking at it at the story of this girl that she goes into modeling, um, and then the industry changes her, and that's it. She goes, she starts, it's a loss of innocence story. Mm-hmm. Um, Although it always brings up into the question, is was that innocence ever really there? Yeah, I mean, you, you could you could look at it like that, I suppose. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think that if we're looking at Elle Fanning's character, it's it's uh, the rise and her fall, her downfall. She lets the industry consume her. Um, she lets some other things consume her. Well, that's it's just a huge, heavy-handed metaphor. It's like, well, yeah, the industry devours you. There you go. And that's the Neon Demon. The Neon Demon. It's it's a movie I I really loved. Yeah. I don't know if I can recommend it to people as a thing. Here's the thing. If you like these kinds of movies, like I'm going to throw out some titles like I already did. Eraserhead, Suspiria, um, Jacob's Ladder, uh, uh, Inland Empire, um, any of those kinds of things. If that's your thing, you will love this movie. If you don't like abstract films, if you need a really strict, coherent narrative, probably not so much. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a beautifully shot film, absolutely beautifully shot. Uh, beautifully wonderful shot, soundtrack. Yeah, like I said, oh, it's a celebration of sight and sound. Um, it's great. I loved it. If it's playing in theaters near you, you want to check it out. I'd say go support it. Yeah, go check if it out. If not, it's an Amazon original movie. It should be on Amazon Prime soon. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's uh, uh yeah it'll be on VOD very soon. Um, yeah, no, I, w- I would say check it out. Absolutely. Unless you suck. Then go eat a dick. You got anything else? I think that's it. All right, well, I'm Tyler Pino. My name is Michael Holler. Get out of my house. Thank you.